Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of Simply Amazing. Our old buddy JB, Jeffrey Ballone from uh, from Mets Fix, from Fangrass, from Nick's Film School, Isles Fix. Uh, you know, everyone's been getting <laughs> represented here. Welcome back to the show, buddy. Yeah, thanks. I'm excited to be on. It's been, I mean, I can't believe it. I think it was the beginning of last season. We can't let that happen again. A whole year passed without talking. That's right. Dude, I was looking back in my, in my, my old episodes. I'm like, oh, man, we, we, maybe we should make this opening day uh, or opening week appearance a thing but we'd certainly have to do it more often as well how's uh how's everything going on your end you guys are kicking ass over in Mets fix yeah thanks yeah same same to you and no everything's going good I think all content creators are happy that baseball's back it got a little scary during the lockout but um you know baseball's back and you know we'll talk about the the Mets in a minute but other than maybe a little hiccup today they're, they're doing great so I can't complain Oh, three out of four is uh, that that's a that's a very, very solid pace that'll get you very far over the course of 162. And, you know, for uh, there are a couple of breaks from from a clean sweep in D.C., which uh, kind of would have been all the message you need to send. But we'll get into all that in, in, in a few. Um, yeah, they're just like you were saying, very nice to have baseball back. I almost find myself like forgetting like, oh, yeah, we're doing this every day from now until October, <laughs> hopefully longer, like. You know, it's a, um, it's a, it's a pleasant change of pace. Yeah, no, and and I think you know me and you in that similar position doing the the, the newsletter. So we know the grind. You're doing the podcast on top of that, and I, I know you were doing a lot even during the lockout. So I give you credit there. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's why, like you said, readjusting to the to the daily pace. We were used to a winter where there's like these long gaps. And even the updates weren't really updates because it was just, you know, people trying to leak stuff about the negotiations. And now it's like real baseball. You know, it's great. Oh, we all turned into, uh, you know, labor, labor lawyers for the yes. it was Yeah, I was I was well ass out of my zone and made that very clear throughout. Like, I'm only playing what I feel is fair. I don't know anything about negotiations <laughs> on the uh, on the labor front. But, hey, it was uh, it was an experience, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I'm kind of a nerd because my background is in, you know, economics and I, I this, this stuff, I'm, you know, more into it than I ever should be. Um, but definitely not to the extent that I wanted, obviously, to miss baseball. But in terms of I'm interested to see, you know, how the different changes impact what we see. And, and especially as Mets fans, because, you know, there were things being negotiated that directly impacted the Mets. So this was one of those things where, you did have to try to step back and think of a big picture of like, okay, if, you know, people are like, oh, just sign whatever deal. So they play. I mean, I'd rather miss a couple of weeks of the season if it means, you know, Cohen can spend an extra $50 million. Um, <laughs> that seems to be, a, you know, a, a lot better outcome for Mets fans. I'm glad the players at least held out to make sure, you know, we got to a point where, yes, they had that Cohen tax, but they got the thresholds higher. 
and um, we can we can enjoy Uncle Stevie spending his money. (laughs) Most definitely. And I think, you know, I don't want to get too deep into the labor stuff, but, you know, the players came away with modest gains. I think, you know, everybody knows they took the short end of the stick in the last few CBAs. And I think, you know, I think everyone came away somewhat content. And I I mean, everyone's happy now. Everyone's back in the swing of things. Did you happen to see, I guess, I think Stephen Nesbitt from The Athletic shared a photo that Rob Manfred left um, uh, Bose headphones and a a letter in every player's locker for uh, for opening day as a gift, Um, which I thought was a little strange. You know, it's a kind gesture and all, but (laughs) it's a little odd. Well, I mean... Obviously, Manfred is 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 uh, far from the most popular player. I mean, <laughs> popular person on a player's list. Um, he is a little bit in a tough spot, right? I mean, his job is to represent 30 owners and you have a, a big group of those owners who literally want to give the players nothing. And it's like, you know, it, it's sort of impo- like he he's the face of kind of the, the evil villain in, in some respects, because I think most owners, they want tweaks to the system. They want to make sure that, you know, there, there's some what they would call cost control, but they're willing to, you know, have the big market teams spend the money that they make. But, you know, I think there's about 10 owners who they just want nothing, you know, and unfortunately he has to represent that group. So I do I do give him a little bit of you know, uh, sympathy for that, but he obviously could have, could have done a lot better job on on several occasions in terms of how he represents the sports, how he reflects the feelings of the league towards things like calling the the world series trophy, a piece of metal and (laughs) laughing when he's canceling games. I mean, he, he has not helped himself. So I know he's trying to scramble and make up for it now, but like I said, it, it is a little bit of a tough situation because he has to represent this this hardcore wing of the of the owners group that, you know, I, I think they would have they would have sat out most of the season. I think if it was up to them. Oh sure, I mean look at look at some of these payrolls that we're seeing heading into the season. I mean they had the um, the ones who who were trying to keep the status quo, of course, are you know made themselves plainly evident. But yeah, it's a um, it, the landscape is just so wild, but as Mets fans, I think we're, we're, we're kind of happy where we stand. I mean, you'd like to see everybody spend and uh, I, you know, I keep on going, going back to what if Tampa Bay had a hundred million, had $120 million payroll, even, you know, look at what they do on, you know, scraps and look at what they do with, with just, you know, play, putting such, such little chips on the table. Um, oh, if they just, you know, if they up that ante a little bit, they could do wonderful things. And that's probably across the board. Look at Pittsburgh, look at Oakland, you know, you get the right, uh, the right blueprint, the right infrastructure and the right vision, and you can really go places, but Metsy's got the right vision, don't they? (laughs) Well, I, well, they at least got the the money now, you know, and I think, (laughs) you know, when you say, what would the Rays be if they could spend, I mean, in some regard, you, you could say they're the Dodgers because Andrew Friedman came from Tampa yeah. and he brought a lot of those principles um, to L.A. And then I think even some of his understudies there. And, you know, uh, while the Dodgers have spent a lot of money, I mean, when Steve Cohen first came in, he said he wants the Mets to essentially be like the Dodgers. And I think what he is talking about more than the payroll was 
the the churn from the prospects and the fact that all of a sudden it's like you know here here they find you know a guy like Max Muncy who out of nowhere is now like a cog in the middle of their lineup. Yeah. Um, so I think with the Mets, yeah, it, it's great that they're at that point now. They're spending. The big question is going to be, you know, what what do we start to see? you know, build up from within the organization. It's one thing anyone can kind of go out bid and, and get the biggest free agents, but, but what do they do internally? And I think we saw this weekend, there's plenty to be excited about internally. And we could talk about that too, but that that's to me the, the big question I want, I want to see with this, with this group. And I'm, you know, I'm hoping because they're putting the resources into it, they're hiring smart people that we will get there. Um, it's just a matter of time to find out. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, at least the early returns, it's still extremely early in the season. But, you know, the guys they went out and got this winter, the, the Marcanas, the Eduardo Escobars, the Starling Martes, we're already seeing, you know, I think dividends being paid, you know, at least, you know, two or three or fourfold so far. Um, you know, Canna's seven for 10, I believe, heading into the Philly series, 1.469 OPS. Escobar's uh, 974 OPS. I mean, these guys, they, they only have 10 and 11 at-bats, respectively. Um, but, you know, just the versatility they had to the roster, the ability. You know, Mark Canna was starting in center field on opening day. I don't think anybody anticipated that, but everything went along just fine. We've seen different lineups every day, and everyone fits in there, you know, perfectly fine. Jeff McNeil's back to doing his thing. You know, the, the front office had – a lot of decisions to make on where they wanted to go with what they had and, and what they wanted to add. And man, you know, there's still 158 more games <laughs> to play, but this is, um, I like where things are going. I think that's the short way of saying it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think definitely, you know, what turned out to be, I guess the, the corner outfield pieces, um, you know, Marte, you know, I, I think, you know, we were a little worried when he came into camp and, and there was some injury stuff and we're all Mets fans. Any injury news we, we get worried about. But um, absolutely, I think the, these pieces, they weren't the headliners like Scherzer, but they were just as important because it really filled out the lineup. And we know, you know, the, Met, the Mets have a, a, a decent core already for, for in the lineup. They did last year. It's just and what we saw already this weekend is they would hit. They just wouldn't hit in the in the right times a lot of times. You know, it, it was about the sequencing more than anything. And they're they're already getting clutch hits. You know, again, only a short sample, but we're, we're seeing two out hits. We're seeing them, you know, string hits together at the right time. And I think they just added some professional hitters that uh, have already sort of proven who they are and now are just being who they are versus I think last year, the Mets had a lot of guys who were still trying to become something. And when you're doing that, you, you put a different pressures on yourself. And um, I think that's a, that's maybe the biggest difference I see in if you can give a personality to a lineup in, in what they have this year versus last year, in my view. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it makes sense. I mean, it, I'm trying to find a good analogy, but you know, you need all of the, the, the parts to, to make up the sum of the whole, I guess. I, I think that came out, right? <laughs> right, right. But, but I mean, and, and it, it seems like the, the combination that they went with really does, they, they complement each other well. I mean, that you can go through the offensive side of the lineup or even into the pitching staff. I mean, you know, 
the, the, the roster is deep, even without DeGrom. I mean, the Mets have gone through their first, their one through four in the rotation. And, you know, they've let up a total of four earned runs. And Max Scherzer, of all people, let up three of them. So, I mean. Yeah, you know. no, it, it's incredible. I mean, the whole thing with, with Meagle on opening day, it's like they announce it. You know, we, we all learn this stuff through Twitter. And I'm seeing people like I follow who aren't Mets fans, like reacting to that news, like, you know, kind of LOL Mets. And it's like, <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking, well, first of all, he's, he's probably better than Corbin is right now. Like he's Corbin's had some tough, a tough past two years. Yeah. And a lot of money too. Yeah. And then, so when, what does that tell you? Now, again, I know the Nats aren't competing. They're going to be really, really bad. But still, what does it tell you when a guy who wasn't even going to probably be on the active roster to start the year becomes your opening day starter and basically pitches as if he was your original opening day starter? You know, like it, 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 everything has kind of gone their way so far in this first rotation turn, despite all of the injury stuff we've been worried about. I think the biggest question marks were Carrasco and Walker. And today we saw Carrasco really responded and then, you know, we'll find out from Walker, but then, you know, you can nurse this. I mean, what other team can have Jacob deGrom go down and they can sort of nurse it the way that the Mets are positioned to do so again, given that I think Carrasco Walker is a big part of that, but you know, it's amazing that they can still keep putting these guys out there. Yeah. Oh, and, and, you know, Tyler McGill, if he can give you, what he gave you before he ran out of gas last season. So like what he was from when he made his debut until like the end of July In July, he was outstanding. And then it was just like a steady downhill from there. But you know, the guy reached his innings, his career innings total as a professional by like, I think it was by the end of July, if not the first week of August, like, you know, you ran out of gas. It happened. Same thing happened with Walker who hadn't pitched much. Um, Yeah. I mean, if these guys can, can fill those gaps. And if DeGrom's absence isn't, you know, really, really prolonged, and maybe he is back by the end of May, early June, you know, I, there's plenty of reason to think that this team can, can get through and even more so now after you see him go through the first, well, almost through the rotation the first time, uh, you know, practically flawless. You know, Tyler McGill, no earned runs, five, five innings. Uh, Chris Bassett, who was outstanding on Saturday, man, that guy's a bulldog, huh? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think if, you know, people probably saw by now the quote after the game, right. Where he's talking about falling behind in the count, right. Was it DeSoto? And he's like, I, I, I don't care who I'm facing. I'm paraphrasing, but he's basically like, I'm going after you no matter who you are. And it's like, um, the, the guy's got the personality for it. And he's just, you know, he just, he knows how to, you know, it's that classic cliche, but he knows how to pitch. Like he's not a guy who's just relying on a hundred mile an hour fastball in a, in a slider. Like he's, he knows how to pitch. And with those guys, they give you that confidence that, okay, well, I don't have to worry then that if on a certain night, he doesn't have his best stuff, or if he's a little tired, that he's not going to be able to get the job done. He's one of those guys that can figure things out. And, th- and that's really key to having a rotation. Well, look at what he fell behind 3-0 to Soto early on. And I know this has been talked about, you know, at length um, since it happened. But, you know, just the sequence of that at bat. So he's behind 3-0 and he started him off and it was all off speed. I think maybe one cutter. A cutter. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. Anyways, it was, it's 3-0. 
And instead of, you know, most pitchers would just go right down the heart of the plate. And with Soto up there, you know, you're almost guaranteed you're going to get a, a hack out of him. And that's playing with fire. So he puts one on the paint and it's perfect because he keeps Soto from, from hacking at it, gets back into the at bat. And then he does it again in the next pitch. And it was just, you know, an absolutely brilliant approach. And, and now, you know, by pitch six, with a guy like Bassett who has six pitches to throw at you, you know Soto's wheels are turning. What does he do? He gives him another fastball right down the heart of the plate. And I'm sure, like, in that millisecond that it took for Soto to say, holy shit, he threw me another fastball, he lost him. He lost the at-bat. Yeah, no. it, it, was, it was beautiful. It was um, – that's what, you know, that's what – brought me back and said, holy shit, baseball's back. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I'm looking in, and it, it, it was, you're right. It was, it was the cutter that he threw two balls he missed on and then a change up. And then, yeah, come, and then he, he went with the, the four-seamer. And then that last pitch was basically right over the middle of the plate. But it's, like, it's exactly like you said. It's like he, he must have had something, a little doubt in his head about what was coming there. And it um, got him. That's yeah. a second. And then no, you get Juan Soto to miss a to miss a fastball down the heart of the plate, which saying it out loud, it sounds crazy. But the way that Bassett set up and the way that he he it was like a chess move, it was like a chess match. He looked three or two or three or four moves ahead and said, All right, this is this is what I'm gonna go with. And it worked. And he had to locate and he had to command and he had to just be precise. And he was. And I, I saw everything I needed to see in that effect. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. So, so that is definitely really promising. And, and, you know, I mean, he was, he was the ace essentially for the A's last year. He's a third starter when DeGrom is healthy for the Mets. So that that's really why when, you know, when people say, okay, you know, the Mets are the one staff that could maybe withstand losing DeGrom this year. Um, I think everyone thinks of Scherzer because like, oh, they have, they have an ace in their back pocket, but it's like, no, it, it, it's because of Bassett. It gives them, they still have a, a formidable one-two punch that if you just didn't know somehow Jacob deGrom existed and you just looked at this staff, I think you'd be coming in saying, yeah, the top of the rotation can compete with anyone with just those guys they, they have. So that, that's really saying something. Yeah. And then you look, you know, you could you look at the, at the lineup and the bench and the bullpen and say, oh, wow, this is a contending team. And then you realize, oh, wow, Jacob deGrom is just waiting in the wings here. It's, um, you know, if you're a Mets fan and you're not just over the moon, I know, like you said, we're all kind of jaded. We're all kind of um, traumatized from many, many years of letdowns. But yeah, it certainly feels like something special is happening. Um, there was, of course, some extracurricular stuff going on in Washington this weekend. Besides, <laughs> and it was it was between the chalk lines. But um, we're going to take a very quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors and we're going to get into that whole side of things. Hang tight. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. And we are back again. Jeffrey Ballone from Mets Fix from Fangraphs. Uh, we are, we're, of course, we're going to talk about the uh, emotions running high, but a lot of people had stuff to say about the Saturday night broadcast on Apple TV. And Jeffrey, I'm, I'm curious what your, uh, 
what's your takeaway was? Did you enjoy the Apple TV streaming broadcast? Yeah, I guess that this is uh, my chance for, for uh, would they call it a hot take? But um, it's funny because, you know, it, it's an impossible situation. Anytime you, you watch your favorite team, no matter who your favorite team is, on a national broadcast, the, the fan base is, is not going to like it because you're used to your regional coverage. They know your team better. And then whoever, especially when it's, you know, we had to deal with like a rod on Sunday night baseball, whatever. So I was kind of expecting that a little bit, but with Apple TV, I felt like it reached another level. Um, they had technical difficulties, which you feel like if you're Apple, isn't that the one thing you should be able to get right is <laughs> that the stream actually works. Like that should be the one thing you get right. And then, um, you know, I, I felt it was a, a really bad job that they picked this game. They obviously were hoping it was Scherzer versus former team. And then Scherzer walks out to the mound for the first time. And I'm reading on Twitter that he's getting an ovation. And we're, we're somehow in a commercial break on Apple TV. I'm like, how, how do you miss that, that moment? Um, so I, I thought that was bad. But I, I thought that the, the overall reaction, I, I think people forget. I mean, this is the first time they've ever done this. You're taking three announcers who, who clearly haven't worked with each other much. You're putting them together for the first time. I know people say they talk too much, all this stuff, but it's just, it's, it's really hard to, on your first try, build chemistry, get everything right. So to me, it was that part that I, that I wish people gave a little more benefit of doubt. Um, but, you know, the, the other things I listed, I, I, I think, and that's more on the production crew, you know, I, I think they could have done a better job with. Yeah, um, you know, I, I took heat on Twitter for it, but I really did enjoy the booth. Melanie Newman, Hannah Kaiser, and Chris Young, CY, who was a, a, a former Met. Former Met, yep. yeah. You know, I really enjoyed CY's analysis. I, I enjoyed the entire booth. And, and yeah, we are extremely spoiled with Gary, Keith, and Ron. And But like you said, from, you know, looking, watching national broadcasts can be anywhere from, you know, you, you tolerate it to, to you turn on Howie and Wayne. Um, I, I did neither. I watched the Apple TV broadcast and I enjoyed it. I also noticed that the game was in 4K, which was outstanding. No, well, that, that was the other thing, too. It's like it was in like if you take a step back. Because there was people upset even before the game came on because they had to find it on Apple TV. And it, it's like they're giving you a free game, meaning you do not need cable, which not every Mets fan in America has cable. Like there's a lot of people in New York who do not have cable. Yeah. And it's like I'm not even saying they don't have cable, meaning they're streamers. I'm saying just people who decide, you know, I'll, I'll I just want the regular, especially older fans. They just want over the air and they'll catch the Mets on PIX or whatever. You're getting a free game and it's in 4K. Like what, you know, like that, that's why I was like, just take a step back and enjoy that. Yeah, no, I am. Um, I really, I did enjoy it. And uh, it was a good game. It was, um, it had its, <laughs> it had its fireworks. And, and of course we're going to kind of segue into everything else, but as far as the broadcast itself, I think you kind of hit everything. Um, you hit all our bases there. You know, it was the booth's first time on the air together. And I'm sure there was some 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 prep work going into that. And but still, I think there was basic chemistry. And that's really all you're looking for for the first <laughs> for the first time out there with the lights on. Um, you know, I think I got kicked out of the Apple TV app or I got automatically signed out at one point. 
in like the third or fourth inning. And I saw a bunch of people it happened to them too. Um, of course, you know, one person says, all, all you have to do is sign back in. You're good to go. But, you know, until you see that one person say it on Twitter, a lot of people were, you know, a half inning without the game. And that left uh, a poor taste in people's mouth. I'm kind of just hoping that, you know, whatever kinks they had to work out um, are worked out before. I think the Mets are back on in late June or early July. Yeah, I think it's something like that. One, just one more time, you know, so it, it's it's not a big, you know, to me, it's not a big yeah, but yeah, and then, and I mean, the other thing too is with the, a three-person booth. I think uh, no matter who it is, like we're used to Gary, Keith, and Ron, and they have built up this amazing amount of chemistry. And then, especially for Mets fans, because you have two icons in there, and and their personalities, yeah. uh, you know, in itself, it all works. But that's what makes that booth so magical. Like it is really hard to have a good three-person booth. And I think maybe that's a part of how they could, you know, maybe they could mix up how they do it um, a little bit there, but I agree, you know, and I thought and Hannah Kaiser, I mean, she's, on, she's been on SNY. She was one yeah. of the best reporters I felt covering the lockout. Um, Absolutely. I feel like New York fans should be familiar with her. Like she's, she's really good, I, but I could see if you don't even know, sometimes I think what happens is you turn it on. You don't even really know who the people are and you're not connecting like, Oh, this isn't some person who doesn't know the Mets. Like I said, like she's been, she's reports on SNY. Like, um, so anyways, I think we're both on the same page there, but we'll see. They'll, they'll work out the Kings as they go. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and what I think, you know, and, and considering everything else that kind of went down on Saturday night, and of course, you know, on uh, on Friday night, my apologies. Um, during on opening night, which was uh, of course on the seventh, you know, the, you had James McCann getting hit by two pitches, one of them at the shoulder or right at the top of the shoulder. Pete Alonso took one off the C flap, and and I think on on the Apple TV broadcast, they they kind of missed the the context of everything. And they also leaned on the, Oh, the ball slippery and it's cold out. Like they leaned on that a bunch, which I wasn't yeah. crazy about, but um, you know, that's a moment that I wish we had Gary, Keith and Ron walking us through because um, I think it would have, you know, there were a lot of people calling for retaliation and you know, that that's a, I guess a conversation to, to be had. Um, I don't think there's any place for that in today's game. And I think the Mets kind of did a really good job of, of, retaliating without, you know, quote unquote, retaliating throughout the weekend. And, and I'm, I'm curious to hear your stance on everything. Cause of course on, on uh, during the game two of the series, uh, Francisco Lindor took one pretty much square in the side of the face. It hit the C flat, but it knocked a, it broke a tooth and he was clearly shaking up. Bench is emptied. Uh, Buck Showalter became, you know, the hero that that flushing wants and needs. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know that was um, just an incredible show of um, solidarity and and restraint for not letting it turn into something more. Because I couldn't say with certainty that I, you know, if I'm in the middle of that um, and someone, you know, you consider a, a, a brethren for the next six months gets uh, you know a, thir a third one in, the, in two days gets taken out like that. That's uh Again, emotions are running high and I applaud the restraint for not going out there and, and catching suspensions. Yeah, no. And then obviously these teams will see each other plenty. So, you know, to be continued. But I, I felt like once we realized like no one was seriously hurt, then 
Buck's reaction to me is one of those things that, you know, if, if this does turn out to be a, a special Met season, um, you know, and you think about like those year in review movies they do, like the, the 86 Mets one is the most famous one. I feel like th- this is the moment they highlight, the type of moment they highlight where they they show, you know, how they it sort of turned into like a team building moment because here's Buck coming out of the dugout, the first, you know, he's 65 years old and, and he's coming out the first one out there after Lindor got hit, like he's, he's ready to go. And I think I would have to think that proved to the players, like this guy has our back. Like he's not just going to call, like give a signal from the dugout, like, Oh, hit a Nats player and make us, you know, do the work. He's literally ready to come out and, and, and fight for us. And, and to me, that carries a lot more. And then I think, too, it, it sort of sends a signal, signal of, you know, the Mets should be much better than the Nats this year, right? And they're, they're going for something bigger. And, and I think the idea is, look, we're going to come in here. We're going to take care of business. We're going to do our thing. You know, we're not going to let you push around. That's why the benches did clear. But we're not going to get into this, you know, we're not going to get into this game with you. Uh, and like you said, just get guys suspended and kind of sync that, you know, we're, we're going to take care of business and we're not concerned with you as I feel like the, the sentiment that they sent. And, and I like that. And I think that for this early in the season to kind of have a moment. And like I said, the, the fact no one got hurt was the key because otherwise that that has, you know, other ramifications. But once everyone seemed relatively okay, then it's like this This is potentially a moment that is a team-building moment. Oh, absolutely. And 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 from, from Washington's point of view, um, you know, I get the, uh, the idea of, of, of trying to own the inside of the plate and, and pitching inside, but shit, man, if you can't pitch inside and if you can't command that pitch without putting someone's life in danger, potentially um, – you know, don't don't go inside. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think and that's I think that's kind of the point that Buck was trying to make. If you read lips when he was barking, don't don't go inside if he can't pitch inside. Like it's very it's it's an easy point, you know, and, and for Ciszek, who, you know, this guy's a, a journeyman reliever. He's a veteran. He's a side armor. He's had extremely good seasons as a major league pitcher. I just find it very hard to believe that, you know, throughout the weekend, like if. Like you said, this is an inferior team. This is how you want to. This is how you want to assert your um, your your. This is how you want to just approach this. Is is starting the season off on this foot? Yeah. If I'm the Mets, you, you rise above it. You say, oh, okay, you guys want to go play these games. We're just going to beat the brakes off you all weekend and and take it from there. And it almost worked out to a T. They lost the last game, but you know, like you said, there's going to be 15 more games against this team, good teams are built to just, you know, beat up on the bottom feeders. And by all accounts, that's what Washington's going to be for a while. And maybe their pitches are a little salty because that's where they are. And, you know, who knows? Maybe they're just, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the underdogs punching up. Who knows what the aspect was? But, you know, Davey Martinez was none too pleased with, with how things went down, at least publicly to the press on Saturday, um, on Friday, I should say. And then, you know, Bassett goes out on Saturday and kind of, you know, that's the message that I want to see. Just go out there and, and just wipe the floor with these guys. And that's, I mean, that's what he did. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think it worked out as well as it could, given what happened. You know, the fact that neither player, 
you know, got hurt. Oh, thank the, you. You know, Buck had it, you know, his moment. Although I guess, you know, that lasted what 24 hours, 48 hours. Cause now I think Mets fans of this bullpen usage are, are already getting on him now. So you're, you're, you're not, you know, you don't get too long of a free pass, but, um, but no, I think, I just think for those reasons, it, it actually sort of worked in a positive for the Mets. See, I kind of understand where Buck was going on Sunday and Sunday's loss. I don't understand leaving Shreve in to start um, against the lefty. What was that in the eighth? So, yeah, so it's in the, in the eighth. And yeah, I, I, I definitely have thoughts on this. So I think. Yeah, please. I, I, I forgot to get to it in the first half, but this is a nice way to uh, a nice way to round third. Yeah. So I guess it, it comes down to, to me, there's like several decision points. So it comes down to on Saturday when they're winning five to nothing. Um, or even when I guess when it was four, nothing. Yeah. Um, I can't remember now which inning they, they put up that fifth, but the idea uh, is you, that was Lindor's double to score the fifth. Th- that's, that's right. That's right. Uh, yep. No wait, Was that, was that opening night? Oh, see, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, these, they're yet. already, they're already, yeah, they together, right? Yet, right. Um, but the point is at that point, when you, you are deciding who to use, you have to consider if, if, if the thought is, and I think it's the right thought, we don't need to be pitching our relievers almost every day, the first four games in a season to beat a last place team. Right. So that, so I guess to, for the context, for people listening, Showalter did say that he doesn't want to use relievers three day three out of four days this early in the season which made a lot of guys unavailable today which ultimately led to his trevor williams and shrev uh usage but you know he used guys uh he used Adovino in in the in the five nothing game because yeah he closed that game out that's right so he pitched the the last two-thirds minutes so you could argue if you don't use him there or you don't even use, let's say, Drew Smith in that game. That's the game you could have used Trevor Williams and then save those other game, those other guys for a tight game. So that's the first decision point. But now, given that they use those guys for the eighth inning today, he was kind of in a tough situation because you had Diaz is on bereavement leave. Yeah. You have to have someone pitch the ninth, right? So the Mets are up two to one. It's the bottom of the Nats order coming up. So if you want to save your best remaining bullpen guy for the ninth, I, I guess that at that point, that would be Trevor May. So now that's leaving you. If you're not using the guys who pitched three days out of four, it's, it's basically leaving you with what you had. You had Trevor Williams, you had Sean Reed Foley, and you had, um, I guess, Jolie Rodriguez, but he, he wasn't going to come in to, to face a bunch of righties. So that's to me what happened is they got in a situation where once they decided who they pitched on Saturday. And once they decided we're not going to use guys three times out of four, well, now the list of available pitchers, and then on top of that with Diaz being unavailable, the list of available pitchers got dwindled so much that there's Trevor Williams in a two to one game. And as we all saw it, you know, it wasn't his fault, right? Like he, he, he really, yeah, he gave up a hit, a leadoff hit and uh, you, you brought up Shrev. I think they left him in because that was the one lefty and they're thinking, yeah. all right, you know, we'll go lefty, lefty to start. But you could argue give give Williams a clean inning. Sure. But, um, I think I think the familiar out. <laughs> I always slip on that. Him being familiar with starting an inning from the top. 
I think that might have played into it. Again, this is devil's advocate at this point, but, you know, you want to make guys comfortable out there. And, uh, you know, that's probably not the most ideal position for a guy who was a starter for most of his career. Yeah, no, that, that that's part of it too. But on the other end of it, I, you know, I did look up that once it turned, because the other argument you can make is, okay, let's say whatever, he went with Shrev, he went with Trevor Williams, but then when they got back to the top of the Nats order, the argument is why not at that point don't you bring in your best your best guy right yeah. but what but Williams versus it was Cesar Hernandez Juan Soto and Nelson Cruz and against those three batters they're three for twenty one lifetime against Williams and I think Soto recently as last year was like zero for five with two strikeouts something like that yeah. versus Trevor May. He pitched Thursday against the top of the lineup and they all hit him hard. Cesar Hernandez got lined out. It was an out, but it was a liner. And then Juan Soto hit the ball basically out of Nats Park. So there was, I guess what I'm saying is there was some, at least a lot like it. I think when it first happened, you're kind of watching and you're just thinking, how the hell is Trevor Williams of all people pitching in a two to one game. He's our mop up guy. He's the spot starter. But you know, when you lay it out all like that, at least there, there is some logic there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think 98% of me was, was saying, Oh, was really excited for Buckshaw Walter to be at the helm because you, we would, we wouldn't, we would kind of be avoiding the, um, the missteps that we've seen in recent years, whether it was Callaway, whether it was Rojas, just um, inexperience reared its head at times. And then that's, you know, that's part of the job. And as you can see today, sometimes even guys with 20 years in the game, you know, they just, they, they, they push the wrong button. They pull the wrong lever, lever. It, it happens. And to their credit, I mean, Shreve and, um, and Williams both performed pretty well. Shreve looked terrific. Um, it just, you know, it didn't, it didn't pan out. And they were so, I think Showalter alluded to it after the game. They were both soft, they hit softly hit balls. Nothing was creamed. It certainly could have went the Mets way. And, you know, big shout out to the Mets pitching staff. They held Juan Soto. He was three for 14 in the series. One home run. Um, not what you expected. And I don't know if that's just a, a plan of approach. You have, a, you know, you have a, a month and a half to, to really plan for uh, for a team. And, and this is, you know, this is what you get. And I'm sure there's going to be adjustments, but yeah, very encouraged. I think that's what you do. You don't let one guy beat you. And they, they did not let one guy beat them this week. And it was uh, very cool to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think it, it, you know, today it really comes down to you're scoring two runs. You know, Alonso's obviously been having a tough start. I thought, you know, last year I felt like he took great strides on, on defense um, uh, you know, a lot of it just even, I felt like more with this range. And I think today it was, I, I guess you could say some of the decision and throws. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little bit different of an area on defense, but yeah. you know, if he, if he makes a couple different plays, the, the Mets, I think escape with a two to one win. But the point is th- those are real reasons they didn't win. Not because Buck Walter, you know, pitch Trevor Williams, um, you know, in my view, that, that those are the real reasons they, they didn't win today. Yeah. I mean, you saw it in the first two games of the series. Mets went nine for 25 with runners in scoring position. In the last two games of the series, they went one, two for 17 with runners in scoring position, one for seven on Sunday. You know, they got they were able to pull it out on, on Saturday. And, and that's 
you know, all well and good. And, you know, there's going to be games that you just don't produce in these spots. It happens. And they almost still came away with it. You know, it's a long season. The sweep would have been nice. And I would have, I really was looking at the parallel between that 86 team sweeping St. Louis to start the year and just coasting from there. Yep. Yep. Um, I believe that was 86. I hope. Yeah. So. I th- well, I think the 86 team, I want to say they started, they started something like two and three, but then they had a four game series of St. Louis who had always been beat you know, you in 85. Right. They won and they swept them. And that was the series that catapulted them. But yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I was, I was three years old. You can't hold that against me. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you know, it's, um, first week of the season type of stuff it's it's very uh it's very exciting very encouraging um i'm very very excited to see uh philadelphia this week that should be um a good test you know washington's not expected to be a very competitive ball club philadelphia is philadelphia's got quite the offense constructed i'm um i'm really really intrigued to see how taiwan walker holds up tomorrow on monday night no, absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, obviously the Mets have won today. They're, they're four and oh, and I think the big thought everyone would have is, all right, let's see how they do against, you know, a, a real offense, a real team. Um, so that comes quick. And that was the other thing I think that also fed into to today with the bullpen is that there's no off day, right? So yep. they have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Philly, Wednesday, I think being a day game, so, you know, there, there was no break, right? So I think the hope was if you could escape today using those guys, you sort of reset your bullpen for what should be a, a tougher series with Philly. Um, but yeah, Walker, you know, it, it, I guess he says he's fine. You know, that last outing in the spring was scary. I know it's because of his sore knee, but, um, you know, I, I guess that would have to be, we thought Carrasco was probably the biggest question mark in the rotation, but now if Walker's health uh, that has to be. So if, if he comes out and pitches well tomorrow night, it's like, wow, that, that first turn in a rotation, uh, unbelievable. Oh, that's steam in the engine, man. And that I think this is what they were talking about before the season. Uh, they're talking about just internal competition and how that can make a staff better. It was Trevor May was saying on the, uh, the Chris Rose rotation. And, you know, I think maybe that not having DeGrom and having everyone have to kind of pull their own weight Maybe that is the uh, the impetus, the catalyst for for you know bringing the best of out of any out of everybody, I should say. And uh, to what you were saying before, the Mets only have four off days until the end of May. And actually, if you want to go to if you want to go halfway through June, the Mets have one, two, three, four, five. They have six off days from now until June twelfth. That's it. Yeah. No. Well, here's really, the line. you have to bide your time well. Yeah, you you have to take uh, take advantage of, of the you know, I guess dangle a loss out there just in case. You're not going to go 162 and 0. Got to get these guys work, keep them fresh, give other guys a rest. I, I get it. Yeah. No. And absolutely. Here's the lock. I think there's probably even a scheduled double header in that in that stretch you just mentioned. So yeah. I mean, it's. Um, yeah. There's a lot. And, and, you know, we saw with the Mets, we saw, we talked to a couple examples earlier. We saw guys tire as the season went on and part of, you know, the whole where they were in first place. And obviously then it all fell apart. Injuries were the biggest factor, but you know, there were guys that just didn't keep up their performance. And there's something to say about, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm not, 
I just have a hard time killing the Mets over saying, okay, we're going to play four games against the Nationals who are going to be in last place. And we had to literally use the bullpen as if they were playing a, a four game playoff series. Like yeah. you, you don't have to do that. You know, you just don't. And you could say, well, they lost, but not really. Like we said, it, it wasn't because of the pitching that they lost that game. Um, you know, the, the, the defense didn't help them. So, so I'm fine with where they're at there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm excited to see how they do now against kind of a quote, real, more of a real test because, you know, Philly, you know, obviously Atlanta is the team. I think that rightfully is the one, uh, you know, coming off the world series. And even though they lost Freeman with the additions they made, they're the team. I think everyone's chasing in the division, but, but Philly kind of late in the process, you know, added some bats and, you know, they're, they're not going to be easy either. Oh, that's a, that's a good, good offense, man. I mean, Castellanos, Hosmer, uh, Hosmer, um, Hoskins, Hoskins yeah. Uh, uh, Harper, you know, that Real Muto, Segura is still a, a terrific hitter. Um, if Wheeler's healthy, I believe he's making his first start on April 12th. He comes back, or at least that's what they're expecting. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, they're going to, yeah, that's going to be, um, it's going to come down to if they could stay healthy, if they can overperform on the pitching side. It's going to be, um, it's not going to be a runaway. I, I think the Braves lost two or three in to, to Cincinnati at home this weekend. I want to say that LA lost two or three to Colorado. Yeah, the color, yeah, the um, to Colorado. The Rockies beat them, and then the Phillies won two out of three. But then, yeah. and when I even mentioned the Marlins too, who they they lost two or three, but they're they're also not going to just be a complete uh, pushover. So oh, I like my you know, the division's gonna division's gonna be tough. And then yo, know, yeah, you bring up the Dodgers. I mean, yeah, they just lost two or three. So like you know, losing one game, you won three yeah. out of four. Uh, the Mets, the Mets are, uh, the Mets are in good shape. Yeah. Big picture season. We love it. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know what move I would have made, um, before we, uh, before we wrap things up, I, I don't hit Cano against Doolittle. All you need is a base hit there. Put, put Guillaume in. Guillaume will get you a base hit. He always does. Yeah, no, you're right. He's, he's kind of got that, uh, you know, well, it's painful, I guess, to Mets fans with Luis Soho, but he's got that feeling to him, right? He's going to put the uh, ball in play. It, it might be a, a thousand hopper, but it's going to find a way to get through. Um, where Cano, you feel like you're kind of getting a, a bit all or nothing. Um, well, so Cano's I, I been all that. right. He hasn't been terrible, but he has really, he had bad numbers against Doolittle. And yeah, you know, we're at, I don't second guess the manager often, but I would take my chance to second guess there. I wouldn't have sent Cano up. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair. I think that's fair. <laughs> JB, what's um what's cooking on your end, man? You're you're a busy man over there. You got a lot of uh, a lot of pots on a lot of different spots on the stove. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, well, from my Nick's days to uh, with Nick's Film School. If people don't know that, we we have a newsletter. Uh, Jonathan Macri does uh, on the Knicks. Um, so to check that out, Nick's film school. Um, and then now with Mets fix, we're just like Tim here with the Apple, we're on Substack, and, uh, people can go to metsfix.com and subscribe there. Um, you can sign up for free, but there, there also is a paid option. Um, and then the, the aisles, we, we added hockey. So we got three of the, the sports covered, I guess we need football, but, um, there's also aisles fix. So you could, Check them out if you're if you're into the aisles. I know we got the the Rangers versus Isles fun rivalry in the city, but um, so the Rangers might be coming around the corner. Uh, but the Isles uh, newsletter is really great, so just check all those out and 
uh, like you said, it's definitely keeping me busy, but, um, <laughs> right now focused on baseball because I also do stuff with fan graphs. So luckily we, I have a good team of people at the, the other places. So, um, I can kind of keep in a baseball and I'm almost in that getting to that point now where I, I can't pay attention to the other sports. <laughs> you know, I'm like, people are talking about obvious stuff now that I'm like, Oh my God, I'm one of those guys that doesn't know. Cause I'm just so into the baseball world. I, I can't keep up. Like I used to, is that how, how is that with you? Cause you're obviously very much into baseball. Are you able to keep up with the other stuff? I was actually just going to say, I've watched more Knicks basketball this season than I have in probably the last 10 years. Oh, really? I had okay. so much fun watching this team and they're, you know, they're frustrating at times, but um, boy, what, what potential I was watching before we went live tonight. Um, I, I guess I caught pretty much all of the first half and Jericho Sims. Like, I want to ask you, I, I'm not sure if you've been paying a lot of attention, but if you're the Knicks, you know, do you keep Mitchell Robinson around? Are you, confident that Jericho Sims can be that guy? Do you keep both around and have that deep, deep in the paint presence? I mean, that this is a, um, yeah. this is a fun core. No, that's true. Yeah. And, and Mitchell Robinson, it's been a, a question for a while now because I think he was even two years ago, right? Like he sort of represented, like they got him in the second round and it's like, all, no talent. yeah, like it was like, okay, they finally found a talented player that everyone else missed on. And he's just like a unique player. But but the issue always comes down to in a cap league of, you know, what what is that value? Um, I don't think Sims is is necessarily has that same uh, ceiling. Um, but for what you would have to pay him in the near term, right? Versus what you could, you know, what it takes to keep Robinson. Or if you, if you think about, um, I guess going forward trade value, you know, sometimes it's always like, do you keep a guy, do you sign him? You think you got to keep him forever, but you got to remember if you can sign them to on a good deal, especially in NBA, that gives you an opportunity to trade value down the road. Yeah. So I, I don't think Sim, I wouldn't say like, I think Sims could replace Robinson, but I could see why it's a tough decision because of the, you know, the, the financial part of it. Sure. I, I, you know, personally, I would love to see, Mitch stay around. He's probably one of my favorite Knicks, but I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm very much a casual fan on this end. And you know, I do see talent in Jericho Sims. I think he had 11 boards by the time I turned off the game tonight, but he also, he looks like a deer in the headlights whenever he gets a pass, <laughs> yep, yep. you know, it, it happens. It's a fast moving offense at times. I do like where they're, where they're headed. And I haven't been, you know, I haven't been excited about the Knicks since Tyson Chandler was in town. So uh, RJ had a terrific year. It, what do you think? What's going on with Randall? Do you think he's a Nick next year? You think he's in it for the long haul or that? That was it. I, yeah, I don't see how he can. Because, I, I mean, it's funny. I was just with Macri last weekend. We were talking about Randall and it's obviously everyone's favorite topic. But I mean, the fact is, if, we're, if, if we all, again, take a step back last year, that Knicks team, was based on the fact that Randall essentially was playing like a superstar, like not just like an all-star, but he was playing up to the playoffs. Obviously he was playing like a superstar and there was just no, like, it's so rare that a player suddenly becomes like so transformed the way I felt Randall did in terms of the level of play was that you had to expect he would regress. It just, it just it became really messy and complicated yeah. uh, with, with the Knicks with that regression. So I, I just feel like it's reached a point. It, it's hard to, 
you know, it's hard to fix that at this point. And adopting the thumbs down, like right after it was just in the news cycle, I, I, short-sighted move. I think that kind of set things in motion. He well, he didn't start off the year good, but boy, pulling the thumbs down on the MSG crowd. It didn't work at City Field. What would made you what what makes you think it would work at the garden? Oh my goodness. No, especially there where the you know fans are come the team has been terrible and they still, you know, like you said, they've been fun this year, but they still standings wise are bad. And yeah. and the support that that you know crowd still gives you every single night. And I know they've been tough on Randall individually, yeah. but to the team. It's amazing the support they, they give. And oh, um, you, you said a thumbs down. I was thinking about that, by the way, when the benches cleared after Lindor. And I was thinking, you know, talk about kind of a difference, just a little time makes, right? Where it, it just felt like this, that moment to me was a little bit like the, you know, the turning away from that chapter where it was like, all right, we went from this, how does, you know, here's this new guy here. He just signed this big contract. You know, now he's, you know, the Mets trade for his best friend and are they kind of doing their own thing together to like, all right, here's like we said, show Walter rushing out of the dugout, the bench is clear and they're, and they're all in it together. Um, I was thinking about that thumbs down moment when, when that happened. Um, so, so yeah, ho- hopefully, like I said, that's kind of represents a new chapter to tie it back to the Mets too. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a perfect little segue. And I think Lindor said it himself. He said he's proud to be a New York Met. And towards the end of last year, I don't think I could, I, I could imagine anyone saying something like that in a similar situation without it being eyewash. I think it was genuine this time around, and this team feels genuine. And on that note, yeah, well, it's like he chipped he chipped his tooth at it, right? And it, again, not to get too symbolic with this stuff, but it's kind of like here's you know, Mister Smile. He comes to New York. He's used to like he he couldn't do anything wrong, right? When he is in Cleveland, because he's a big star in a small market team, mm-hmm. and it's like, all right, well, guess what? You know, he came to New York, he took a punch to the face, now literally, but <laughs> now it's like he's ready to go. You know, I th- I think that I think it all. I'm hoping it all works. I'm I'm trying to write the write the narrative now. Now he's got to follow it the rest of his year. <laughs> yeah. Well, if anything, it's your true initiation to being a New Yorker. You get punched in the mouth. <laughs> yep. No, absolutely. absolutely. He just needs someone to tell him to go f himself, and he's got he's, he he got it. You won't say. I've walked into the airport like after coming off of a flight back to New York, and I, I went to the TSA guy. I'm like, quick, 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 tell me to you know, and just say that. I'm like, yo, tell me to go f myself. What? <laughs> Look at me like I'm crazy. Like, yeah, just do it. It makes me feel like I'm home. Thank you. But yeah, no, and that's it, it's all about getting back up. And I think Francisco Lindor and, and the rest of this team, after what they went through over the last couple of years, um, they all want to get back up. And, and we're seeing that fight early on, and it's it's pretty pretty damn cool. JB, I can't thank you enough for for coming and hanging out, man. This went much longer than I anticipated, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I enjoyed talking. We 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 could keep going. So, uh, like I said, any time. And thanks for having me. And, and great work. Uh, with all the stuff you're, you've been doing and you're, you're always, like I said, grinding and uh, especially through that lockout, I kept seeing the apple come through. It was the one, uh, you know, consistent thing in the baseball world you could, you could count on. So really appreciate that. And, and like I said, anytime, I'd love to come and talk. Excellent, man. And most definitely we'll have to do this again a few times through the season. Guys, you guys know where to find JB. 
If not, let me go ahead and pull you off his info. It's at Jeffrey Ballone. That's J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-B-E-L-L-O-N-E. That's on Twitter. Uh, Mets Fix is just at Mets Fix. And uh, if you go to Jeff's uh, uh, page on, if his profile page on Twitter, you'll find the links for Nick School, Isles Fix, uh, the new Fangraphs newsletter, which, uh, which JB has a hand in. And please check all that stuff out and, We'll be back next week, hopefully, with more Metsy's wins to discuss and more uh, exploits on the mound and at the plate and all that good stuff. Until then, you guys know the sign-off. It's Let's Fucking Go Mets, and we'll see you next time. Peace.